that pandemic, let me just say for everyone listening in, that was um, the, the worst thing that happened to a lot of people, but it was one of the best things that could have happened to you, not only our company, but a lot of the clients that we serve. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the High Level Spotlight Sessions, where we showcase awesome marketers doing awesome marketing. Today, I am joined once again by Mike Arce. He's the founder and CEO of Loud Rumor, an agency that works with thousands of fitness studios across the U.S. globe. Mike, you guys have international clients? Yes, sir. Thanks again for coming on. You got it, man. I appreciate it. I mean, it's not in all countries because we don't speak all languages. Um, so it's predominantly the English-speaking countries, so UK, Australia, Canada, um, and actually even parts of Singapore, Hong Kong, stuff like that. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you having me on, man. So what what are we going to... Uh, you know, it's I don't I usually come in with more of a refined agenda, but you know, you guys are going to get rolling with high level. We haven't spoken to you in a while. I wanted to bring you on and sort of get an update. First, I'd love to hear an update about the health, the fitness industry in general. What are you seeing post COVID? Are, are they rebounding? Is that is it are gyms open across the country? What, what are you seeing? Yeah, they're back. Everything's back. Uh, Canada's, you know, not. And then parts of Australia is not. There's parts of the world that are honestly behind is weird. They were ahead of us and then they're behind us, depending on where you're at in the world. Mm -hmm. um, we're pretty far ahead and, and there's parts of the country where there's still limited capacity, but for the most part, everyone's open. Some people are even breaking the capacity rules and just doing their thing anyway. Oh, gotcha. And if you guys like shifted strategy throughout this whole thing, are you going back to like the old strategies? Where are you at as far as like what you're delivering? Okay. So that pandemic, let me just say for everyone listening in, that was um, the, the worst thing that happened to a lot of people, but it was one of the best things that could have happened to you, not only our company, but a lot of the clients that we serve. Mm -hmm. And that was a, so when, when the pandemic hit, I remember it was uh, March 15th was when I was, I was basically starting to get emails and messages from our clients, uh, basically saying like, what are we going to do? What are we doing? Or everyone's saying that they don't want to come work out anymore. They're saying that I'm responsible if I don't shut down all this stuff. And then, then staying yeah. on the see everyone shut down. So I created a podcast. I already have two. I created a third one. It was called GSD COVID updates. And we did, um, 50 episodes in the first four days. And we did 88 episodes in the first like few weeks. Um, yeah, we, we were, how's that we, even possible? <laughs> uh, it was a lot, man. I honestly did. I, I, that's all I did. I was just really doing podcasts because I was wanting to get information. So mm -hmm. I was wanting to get information for my clients on, you know, how do you negotiate with your landlords right now? Um, you know, what are the PPP laws? You know, uh, what kind of loan opportunities are there? Um, what, what's the deal with paying your vendors, franchisors and, and their royalties? Like, what are the rules and legalities around that? So I was interviewing everyone, uh, financial experts, legal experts, real estate experts, uh, uh, bankers, and then obviously fitness studio owners that were figuring out, uh, people that were actually still making it happen uh, through online sales, all that stuff. And we actually produced a lot of content. What that allowed us to do was um, help out a lot of the franchisees within franchises more than the franchisors were even helping them. The franchisors couldn't keep up with me. They were so what it, what ended up happening was franchisors started reaching out to me. And so I became their resource as well as their franchisees. So it allowed us to be able to really get that edge, mm. especially when we saw my competition, one of my competitors 
posted on Facebook, well, I guess since work is slow, I can finally catch up on Game of Thrones. <laughs> my my one of my employees, one of my employees sent me a screenshot and sent it to me and goes, How does he have time for Game of Thrones? Doesn't he have 50 podcasts to produce this week? <laughs> oh my gosh. But but we went and uh, we were able to scoop up a lot of business, uh, generate a lot of trust, and we learned a lot. And our clients were able to learn a lot too. So uh, a lot of our clients now are hitting record numbers. We're, we're not really doing anything different. Uh, what we're doing things, but we're getting people to buy in on things that we've been wanting them to do better. So now a lot of offline strategies like uh, how, how to follow up with the leads, how to make the sales, how to get referrals at the point of every sale, how to run refer and receive contests, how to generate more awareness uh, through free media as well. All of this mm-hmm. stuff, we've been able to get people to finally take our advice on because so much trust was generated during that time that now it's like, look, if Mike says to do it or Flower Rumor says to do it, let's go ahead and give it a shot. And it's great because these are strategies that would have worked back then, but now they're finally working because people are executing. You know, that's amazing because the, the second point I have jotted down was exactly this. You guys do a ton of content, video, podcast stuff. And you touched on something interesting, which I feel like a lot of um, a lot of people shy away from or are scared of, which is, all right, well, I could start a podcast in my industry and I could interview people. But what if they talk about stuff that I'm not an expert on? Or what if they talk about stuff that I haven't thought about yet or things? And it's like, Will that make me look stupid? And here you are. You're like, no, I'm, I want to know everything. This is research. Tell me everything because we're going to figure it all out together. And through that, you build trust. And once people trust you, they buy from you, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of people misinterpret what the podcast is meant to be. Mm-hmm. So in an interview form, I, I'm interviewing them because I don't know what they know. That's the reason I am interviewing them. Right. I, don't interview, I don't need them. If I already know all this stuff, I'll just do it myself. Right now, now it's like, oh well, it's the strategy of now you get them and you leverage their audience. Well, then, okay, well then you got to understand what's your target. My target is to really learn and be able to give that back. There's no way I don't care who you are. There's no way you can know everything about everything in the industry. You're just never going to do it. You don't have the time. There's too many things moving in all the different directions: sales, marketing, advertising, PR, HR, finance. I mean, what are you keeping up with? Are you sleeping? So. For, for me, when I interview people, I've got another podcast called The Goat Show. This is where I interview people that are arguably the greatest of all time at what they do. I've interviewed UFC fighters. I've never fought in the UFC. I've interviewed uh, NBA Hall of Famers. I've never done that. I've interviewed uh, billionaires, four billionaires. I've never been a billionaire. So I don't know nearly what they know. That's perfect. That's what a podcast is for. I'm here to ask questions. They're here to teach. So um, anybody that's worried about starting a podcast because what if they know more than me? That's the point. They should know more than you. Otherwise, don't have them on the show. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, every business is nuanced, even within an industry, right? Everyone's going to do stuff differently. And so it's interesting just to hear, oh, that, well, that's a different model. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was the goat show. So as you mentioned, you're interviewing all these characters. I mean, I watched one the other day that was like, uh, what was it called? Bluefish or something. This guy can, he's just yeah. like the ultimate concierge. You can make anything happen. It was like so random, but fascinating. Yeah. What have you learned by interviewing all these crazy characters? All right. So the uh, so funny thing is, here's how it started. So I was at a digital marketer conference, Traffic Conversion uh, in San Diego, maybe like three or four years ago. 
And I saw Jay Abraham walking down the hall. For those of you that don't know, Jay Abraham's one of like the godfathers of marketing and, mm-hmm. and he's very well known in the space. And so I saw him and I had just finished um, reading one of his books. And so I was like, I'm going to go and introduce myself to this guy. Yeah. And so I uh, walked right next to him while he was walking and I said, Hey, Jay, how are you doing? I'm Mike. And he said, Hey, Mike, nice to meet you. And I go, you walking this way? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, mind if I talk with you? And he goes, he stopped walking, reaches in his inside coat pocket, takes out a business card. It says, I've got some stuff I've got to work through, but here, here's my card. Go ahead and email them. They'll give you a, a, a few free courses. And then he walked away. And that was it. So now my first instinct was what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. But then I realized I'm not an asshole. This guy probably can't take 10 steps before somebody comes up. So it's not his fault. He's had yeah. 400 people by lunch go ready and do this stuff to him. It's my fault. I don't, he doesn't know me. I didn't approach him with anything of value. Uh, I have no name, no brand. Yet to him, I'm no one. And I, I was. I, I am still in a lot of ways. So now I'm like, all right, I got to fix that. That's my fault. So I went ahead and uh, I started this podcast called The Goat Show. Uh, I did it because I, I realized that the people I want to meet with in an interview, at that time I had already spent, I think it was uh, 380000 in coaching I'd spent in my career. Right now, I just crossed over the five hundred mark. So in coaching that I've invested in myself and my company. And so I was like, all right, I, I don't want to keep spending money for coaches if I, if I get all possible, but these people charge 25 grand for a half day or a day or whatever. So creative show called the goat show greatest of all time. And I'll make it really nice sports center theme and all that stuff. So that yeah, it's really well produced. Thank you. And I figure if I do that, they'll want to be on the show and I get to talk to them not only before the show, but during the show and then a little after the show and we'll become friends and that's what happened. So I started interviewing people. In the beginning, it was, you know, the smaller, like B-level entrepreneurs, like, you know, um, like Russell Brunson, Grant Cardone, um, Ryan Dice, uh, John Lee Dumas, all those guys. And then it was like, okay, now we're starting to get into some like people that the, the average person would want to see or know from. Household right? names. Yeah. Or like, like I, I interviewed the sports agent for uh, Michael, the guy that did, did all the agents for, for Michael Jordan, um, Wayne Gretzky, Barry Bonds. He was their agent. Um, UFC champion, Don uh, Dominic Cruz, uh, Ken Shamrock. Right. And so, but I start meeting with these guys and all I wanted to do was learn what are their habits? How are they great? You know, how do they achieve those things? What do they, what's your day look like? Because I figured if I can do that, I can become that. And then, um, so that's what I kind of learned. I, I didn't do that. There was no business strategy to that. That wasn't tied to a product. That was personal it, growth. Yeah. I mean, in a way I got paid because I would normally have paid to meet with these people to learn from them, but I didn't. So in a way that's kind of the pay, but um, yeah, at the end, the, the, the very last podcast episode that I had done, I ended up doing more, but I, I thought I was done was Jay Abraham. I reached out to him. Uh, get out of here. He didn't even remember me. I reached out to him. I was like, hey, you want to be on the show? A lot. And he said, yeah. And so I interviewed him. And then after the interview, I was like, you know, this is what started the show. And I told him and he thought it was funny. But um, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's a really beautiful sort of full circle. Uh, and if that were the one that you ended on, that would be perfect. Anyway, um, I wanted it to. And then, and then I just had a couple of people I wanted to meet. I'm like, wow, this guy's really smart. How does he do what he's doing? And it doesn't fit my other podcast, which is just for fitness. So 
you know, I, I end up doing, I think six or seven more and I'll probably still do more randomly as they come up, but there's well, no, now that you've got it to that level, you could fire it up whenever you want. If you know, someone yeah. comes along and it's like, I got to talk to them. Exactly. That's really what it is. So the last time I talked to you, we, we talked about, you were, I was really ramping up as far as your personal brand and coaching and things like that. And you had a, uh, some sort of program where you would rent out like a hotel suite and have these small sort of meetups and stuff. How's all that going? Are you, I mean, I know you're laid up right now with an injury, but yeah. um, are you still running all that? Well, so that stuff I started uh, because I, I did have people that were randomly messaging me on Instagram because I'll be on a podcast like yours. And then they'll, I'll get like a few messages after saying, hey, is there any way you know I could pay you to mentor me or something like that? I didn't have any program designed and I didn't feel like building one or creating one. So I was traveling a lot. And so I just started doing this thing where I said, look, if I can rent out instead of a regular hotel, when I travel, I'll rent out a penthouse. And then anybody that wants to come, it was like a thousand bucks or some 1500 bucks. I don't remember what it was, but people come down and hang out for, you know, three hours and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I'll answer any question, you know, and, we would have up to 10, 12, 13 people in there. And that wouldn't be anything big, but it covered the cost of the penthouse for the few days. It that seemed like a really cool laid back sort of alternative to the traditional mentorship world. Yeah. Cause normally when I'm in a hotel for a few days, you know, it, it's hard to get a lot of work done anyway. The Wi-Fi is really not that great. So we're working in your hotel anyway. My team's doing a good job of doing a lot of the stuff when I'm not in the office anyway. So you know, usually I'll just walk around the city that I'm in and kind of hang out. So in this case, I'll just take three hours. I'll meet some really cool people. I'll help out how I can. And I'm in the hotel anyway. So yeah, it just, it helped me cover the cost of the trip. Cause I, I think we did the math. It was $140,000 in travel the year before. And so this, the goal of that was to just eliminate all travel costs. And we actually were, I got, it ended up being that I was paid like $30,000 of travel that year because of that. Oh, nice. Turned it into a profit center. It was profited me to travel then. Yeah. So it was, it was good. That's what I did. So the last thing I'll ask you, what does the rest of this year look like? I know that your company, you've got great people sort of, you know, at the helm, you've, you've built up a personal brand. Where are you going to put most of your personal energy for the rest of 2021? Building my team. Yeah. I, you know, you talk about the personal brand. I actually, if you go to our YouTube channel, you'll notice there's very little of me now. It's a lot less. It's, you know, there's people on my team that are actually doing the YouTube videos now. And whether it's Matt Cafora or Corbin May or Amanda Enos or McKenna or Patrick, any of those guys or guests that we have come in, I'll still do my podcast because I enjoy it. I, I really love that. Like what you're doing is my favorite thing. Um, but uh, I'm looking to build a brand really around the company more than anything. Uh, it was easier for me to build a brand around me first and then do the company. Maybe that's the right route. Maybe it's not, but it's the route that I went. And, uh, and so now I'm little by little stepping away. So now it's about building a team and making sure that I continue to build a, a really solid team of players that uh, want to win, that are competitive, that have good hearts, that want to do the right things by their members and, uh, and are good leaders, people that you know, know how to build teams within the team and you know, motivate them to do their best as well. So that's it. A lot of leadership training, a lot of uh, management, management and recruiting training, and um, just connecting with people that are really good at that in the space. And do you guys have any like next milestones? How big is Loud Rooter Rumor going to become? <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, you know, we want to get to the point of working with 5,000 studios in some capacity. We may not be able to do that in the products that we currently have. So we're actually building out new products that allow us to scale to that point. 
through a lot of, a lot of virtual platforms. So uh, we are excited about that. But, you know, I don't do you think that's going to that trend is going to continue. Sorry to cut you off. But do you think the pandemic changed us so that this, you know, the, everything converted to online, act, obviously, is that you feel like it's going to continue? You're going to double down on that? I meant I meant our company will be doing virtual trainings for these students. Oh, oh OK, gotcha. So, so rather than working one on one with people or in groups, we'll be able to actually provide a, a training. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Masses, right? Um, I don't, you know, as silly as it sounds, I don't care so much about how big our company gets right now. That's not my main focus. My main focus on the industry itself. So my industry is very new, not the fitness industry, but the boutique fitness industry. It's only really been around for about 10, 11 years. And, and the way that we know it today, it's really only been about four or five years. The challenges that come with that is that there's no real set system in place um, for, for these studios to be successful. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And that, that's going to eventually merge like all industries do. And, and that's my job. That's I, we, we believe at Loud Room, our responsibility is, is to create that standard for the industry. I'll give you an example of what I mean. What's your favorite restaurant? Your favorite restaurant? My favorite restaurant? Yeah. Who? It's, uh, it's called Ship Bottom Shellfish in Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Perfect. I've never been there. Okay. I've never been there. Is it a sit-down restaurant? Yeah. Okay. I, I've never been there, but I can tell you how the system works. You ready? You, you either call in to make a reservation or you show up. When you get there, there's a host stand. There's a host there. If they're busy, they'll take your name down and call you when the table's open. Uh, if it's not busy, they'll seat you right now in rotation of the server that's open next. Okay. From there, somebody will walk over to you and offer you water or get you all set up. Then the waiter will introduce themselves and they'll actually take your real drink order. And then afterwards, they'll come by, take appetizer order, and they'll ask you for entrees as well. Appetizer comes first, then the entree. After they take your first bite or two, they'll ask you how everything's tasting. You'll say, great. They ask you if you need anything, they walk away. After it's over, they say, have you saved room for dessert? You say yes or no. They show a dessert menu. If yes, you eat dessert. They ask you how it's tasting. Then they bring you a check in some black thing, whether it's a booklet or something that it sits on top of. You give them a credit card. They go run it. You leave a tip. There's a spot for you. Sign off and leave it. And that's the experience. Is that pretty much the system? Yeah, that's how it works. Now, I've never been there. So how would I know that? Because that's how restaurants work. Yeah, 99% of restaurants operate the same. But that's not how it was when restaurants first were started, right? The first four or five years, I bet you anything, maybe there wasn't a host stand. Maybe there wasn't a bartender. Maybe there wasn't a, the cook was maybe serving the tables. Every restaurant might have been different in the way they did things. Therefore, there was no proven model for success. But now there is. And every restaurant tends to run it. And then there's other styles of restaurants, like the Chipotle style that's become very popular. I think Subway started that style, right, where you kind of go down the line. And, you know, retail has their style. It's all the same, right? When you go into like a Macy's or JC Penney's or a Nordstrom, very similar. With fitness studios, it's not like that. When you walk in, maybe there's a front desk section. Maybe there's not. Maybe it's that person that does the sales. Maybe it's a studio manager. Maybe it's the instructor. We never really know who does the pitch. Every location, every, every business that you work with can tend to be a little different. What that causes- That's interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. So what, what happens is, Everyone's running their own system to the best of their ability. We now know how the best systems run because we've been able to work with so many throughout the world and we've been able to see what their systems look like from the guts. And it's clear as day. There's a set system that if everyone were to run, it were to work. 
The only thing that separates one restaurant from another is the food and the atmosphere. That's it. The systems are the same. The right. only thing that should change one fitness studio from another is the workout and the atmosphere. That's it. As far as how you get checked in, who makes the sale, all that, that should be the same because that has nothing to do with the reason the person bought a membership. Just like the, your reason for getting into that restaurant has nothing to do with who serves you and what order. Yeah, yeah. So, so our responsibility is to, is to really fix the holes in this industry so that every fitness studio is able to run the most effective process so they can actually begin scaling. Right now, it's not right. It's, it's, it's broken in 80% of these places. That's interesting. So it's an opportunity to go beyond just marketing and more into business operations, systems, things like that. Well, that's that. Yeah. So our, our, our company, our organization has three main departments. There's our agency department. Then there's our consultancy department. It's almost as big as our agency. And then we've got our virtual training and events. So this is our trainings and events. So uh, these are our three main departments. The agency is really just one of our three departments. It's our biggest one, but it's just one of the three. Very cool. Well, that sounds like, I mean, it's a whole new growth channel. You're going to standardize an industry. It sounds like a huge opportunity. What You mentioned boutique gym. What's the difference between a boutique gym and, a, and the traditional gym? So a box gym or a big box gym, that's where you kind of walk in. It's like a 10,000 to 50,000 square foot space. And they've got rows and rows of equipment. You just walk in, use whichever one you want. You do your own thing, stay as long as you like and leave whenever, right? That's a big box gym. Um, a boutique studio or a fitness studio is one that has set class times. So like think of yoga, Pilates, bar, spin, uh, Orange Theory Fitness, F45, right? All these are class-based. You can't just walk in and stay as long as you like. There's a five o'clock class. You've got to register for that class. And when you get in that class an hour long, you're doing what everyone's doing. And at the end of the class, you got to go because the next class is coming in. Uh, okay. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. CrossFit is an example of that style too, right? So all of these that have standard schedule times, so you have to go into, that's what those are. You pay more money, you get better results because yeah. you're getting pushed for the full hour and you've got a program and a plan, but you're paying less money than trainers. So it's, it's a happy medium between big box and trainer. Gotcha. Yeah. And it seems like there's been more and more sort of variations of different trends that have emerged in the past couple of years. So it sounds like a great with, space. Give you an idea. We work with 56 different franchises within the industry. There's 56 uh, franchises that we just work with. So there's probably another 50 that we haven't even heard of or more yet. So um, there's a lot of, of business in this industry, but yeah, like the, the biggest problem. How does the franchise go with you? I'm curious because in our experience, it's, it's very, it's a strange world, right? You, if you get a franchisee, mm -hmm. they're often very limited about what they're allowed to do from the franchisor, but they're like, the franchisor isn't giving us any, anything that we need in the world of marketing. So it's kind of like, all right, let us try to help you fight this battle. And if we can win it, then it's huge because then they push us to all the franchisees. Yeah. Is that typical in, in for you? We don't help the franchisees fight the battle. We help the franchisors fight the battle, thus helping the franchisees more anyway. Because if we help the franchisors fight the battle in the way that the franchisees win, it's great. So uh, today I had a phone call with um, a franchise, a, uh, a rock, rock box is the name of the franchise. And they're a good franchise. Uh, they're not bad, but they're not doing... Uh, as great as I know they could be doing. They could be doing a lot better. And so today we reached out, we talked to the heads uh, of the franchise. We've already had relations with them. I think we're working with maybe like 10% or 15% of their franchisees. And uh, we said, look, 
here, this is our, our suggestion here, is that you make us a required vendor during the pre-sale process when people first come on as franchisees. Here's the way that we see this benefiting the franchisor. And what we talked to them about was, look, at the end of the day, here's how you make and save money. You make money by getting as many franchisees as possible, right? As many units sold as possible, as well as getting them to generate as much revenue through each box as possible, because you get a four to 7% royalty on each one. So these right. are the two ways you make the most money. Yes, yes. Okay, so the idea is how do we get as many franchises as possible and how do we get them to make as much money as possible? Well, these two problems that you have match up with the two solutions that we offer. We care about two things. Number one, getting each business to maximum capacity, meaning they can't fit any more business in their company. They've got to expand to a new location. Mm -hmm. And number two, get the business to be able to run effectively without you having to be there, the owner having to be there. Because even if the business hits all its revenue goals, but he's working 50, 60 hours a week, he can't fathom opening a second location. Mm -hmm. So we got to get both of these down. This is what we do best. Now, you as a franchisor generally have an eight to $12,000 acquisition cost to acquire a franchisee. That's typical in the industry, whether it's mm -hmm. through a third party vendor or running ads themselves. Generally, the acquisition cost for franchisor is about that eight to 12,000 mark. However, how do we cut that down? Joe Smith, he already cost you eight to 12,000. You signed him on, right? Yes. What if we get him in the black before his door is open? What's the next logical thing? Let's get another lo location. But there's no acquisition cost to that second one. So now right. he's costing you about 5,000 in total per location. And we get him three or four or five or six, even better. So our goal is how do we bring our acquisition costs down to almost nothing? Because most of our franchisees are getting Open several more. locations. And yeah, that's, we, that makes sense. Right. So now they know what our goal is and they see that it perfectly aligns with their goal, which it does. And if we can come together and develop these franchisees, it's great because unfortunately, even though every franchisor wants business savvy franchisees, money talks. And if you have goals to hit and there's this guy and he's not really business savvy, but he wants a business, they'll still sell it to him and in hopes and optimism. Right. Yeah. So he's a five or a six in business. That's not good enough we can turn him into an eight or a nine. Yeah. And, and the reason is because of the process. So Chase, I don't know. Can you exactly. cook well? Can you cook? Ah, I'm all right for layman. I suck at cooking. Okay. <laughs> I, but here's the deal. I bet you if I want to, you come over tonight and I'll cook you the most amazing meal on earth to where you think I'm a great chef. Here's how I'll do it. I'll basically get the ingredients for a recipe that's told me exactly what to do and the exact step is in which to do it. I'll follow that recipe exactly. And without being a chef whatsoever, having any experience in that, you will go to the untrained eye. This guy can cook. Yeah, yeah. And so we've got recipes for every single part of building a fitness studio to a seven-figure business, which is typically about cap. And that's how we plug into these franchisors. So before I let you go, let me hit you with a curveball question. Because I feel like this is part of, at least in my experience, the typical agency journey. Once an agency gets to a point where they're really good at what they do, have you guys ever thought about opening a studio? Yeah, we actually. I'm I'm, I'm currently working with um, this one guy who I don't want to say his name yet because I don't know if I'm allowed to. And he's a he's a he's a a retired attorney, so I don't actually trust doing stuff like that. Be careful. What you <laughs> But he's very well known in the industry for buying and selling businesses. And he and I are in the talks now of actually building out our own models. Uh, we're also now in the, in the part of we're starting a show 
And the show is uh, similar to a bar rescue, but not as dramatic. I actually can't stand the guy. I think he's like so over the top. It's like, come on, like these are real people. You're yelling at him in front of the families are watching, you know? So, so it's going to be more like the prophet. He's a lot kinder, but where we go in and we help these studios out, but I go in and we buy stakes in the business. So we end up being, you know, partners in the company. So we That's actually, cool. yeah, we found a few that were already uh, in the process of, of having that conversation with men, we're going to jump in and, and that's the plan. And then with certain uh, business owners that we have in our database that we work with or become good friends with as well, because we work with them for years, uh, we're looking at helping them expand by actually acquiring them or coming in as partners in their existing business models. Well, that's fantastic. And I, and we'll have to bring you back after you have it all in motion. Cause I feel like it's sort of like the, the ultimate story for an agency. It's like, you get so good and you're like, we're going to prove it to you. We're going to open up in our industry and show you that what we're preaching is, you know, is the way it's going to go and, and create success. So that's really cool, man. How far away do you think you are before one of the doors actually opens? That's hard to tell. I thought one was going to be yesterday. Um, and then we found out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, I, I was pretty sure it was going to be yesterday. Uh, she bought an, uh, uh, I'm not going to say the name of the company just in case, but she bought She bought a business in my area. So it was perfect. It was only like four miles, five miles from my house. That was great. No great yeah. Great deal. And um, everything lined up really well, but then we found out the business that she bought um, carried $115,000 in debt. That was, I wasn't, I was unaware of that. And I have so, a big detail that you would want to be uh, privy to. Yeah. And she said, you know, there's no payback for another 12 months. So it's not a big deal. And I'm like, it's still a payback. I mean, I'm, we're going to earn 115 grand before we make 115 grand. So I, I, I passed on the deal, but what I did accept was to still do the show um, at a discounted rate for her to take on our services so that we can still, you know, build up the show. And we believe that the show is going to help us get more opportunities to buy more locations because obviously people will hear about us and, you know, from there apply because that's going to be the call to action at the end. If you would like uh, to possibly have us partner with you, go ahead and apply to here. And that's the idea. So eventually. Yeah. We'll more. Whoa, my. Uh, that's a zoom. My, in, peak huh? my peak setting on my camera just fired. I don't, I don't know why. So that, I guess that actually happened to me when I was testing my camera. It'll go back. It should go back in like a second. <laughs> I guess this is a good opportunity to end it, Mike. Thanks for coming on. You got it, man. Thanks so much, Chase. I appreciate it. I feel Thanks like everybody for watching. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs> See you guys.